Amen. When Charles Schwab was 70 years old, he had been sued and he ended up winning the case. And I just want to read you what he said when he was in the court of law. He said, I like to say in the court of law and speaking as an old man that nine-tenths of my troubles have come from one thing, and that is me being a nice guy. Uh, you all ever experienced that before? He said, all my troubles come from me being a nice guy. If you want to avoid trouble, be hard-boiled, be quick with a good loud no to anyone. He followed this rule. You'll be seldom bothered as you tread life's pathways, except you'll have no friends, you'll be lonely, and you won't have any fun. Now, can any of you, now my guess is that most of you can identify with this or understand what he's trying to say, and that is that if you're going to be a person who wants to just simply make it through this life, go through this life trouble-free, probably the best way to do it is to be, to kind of be a loner. To stay away from people. But if you decide that you're going to mix it up in people's lives, have y'all discovered that there is trouble whenever you really get to know people? Have y'all discovered that? Y'all might just be pure and innocent. You say, I've never noticed that before. Well, let me tell you, I've noticed it. Uh, if you start hanging out with people and you start to get interested in their lives, you discover that people are messy and that people got problems. And you can ask somebody, like I said last week, how you doing? And, and sometimes they're going to answer by saying something other than fine. And so I've discovered that probably the best way to get through life without, you know, without getting messy with people is just simply to ignore them, right? That's a great Christian thing to do. Somewhere in the scripture, I'm sure, somewhere. But uh, if you do that, what happens is you do miss out on the joy of life. And you miss out on seeing people's lives transformed. And you miss out on seeing people's lives changed. But very easily, being a loner is a great way to go through life if you don't want to see any problems, but you miss out on blessings. Nine years ago this week, Village Church started. And let me tell you something. It would have been much easier for us never to have started the church than to actually start the church. Uh, it would have been easy for those of you who came to help us start the church to stay where you were. It would have been easier for me to stay where I was. I mean, we already had everything that we needed beforehand. We had, we had a budget. We had a youth pastor already in place. We had uh, children's ministries. We had all these different things and buildings. But we decided to come together and begin a new work. And I'm going to tell you, when we first started, guys, it was messy. I mean, it was dirty, and there were people that came along and that were just in, in trouble and just constantly needed help. And I thought, man, the easiest thing for us to have done is just simply to have stayed where we were. But if we'd done that, we'd missed out on you. We missed out on seeing the, the great blessings that God has brought about in this church. But through that whole process, there's been some things that I've thought about, some questions I've been asked, and one of the questions, of course, is, well, why did y'all, why did y'all begin this church? And I, I say basically, well, it's because God called us to do that. That's, I really believe that God brought us together for this endeavor. But I thought about that more and more, and I began to wonder, well, you know, what exactly is the purpose of our church? And today we are concluding our series, True Church, and we have to ask the question, you know, what is, in general, the purpose for the church? You know, why are we here? Why did Village Church ever start? And in our text today, we're going to see that Jesus gives us the answer. In our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus sharing the greatest purpose that we have as individuals and as a church. And as he shares that with his disciples, we discover why we're here. We discover what we are to accomplish and achieve as a group of believers. 
And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, we're going to look in verse number 34 in just a few minutes. And, and I really think that through all of these verses we're going to read, we're going to find out why, why is Village Church in Blythewood. Okay, so Matthew 22, verse 34, a little background information. Jesus was becoming a well-known teacher. Seems like every time I talk about Jesus, I bring this up. He was a guy who preached and talked with authority. I mean, people are like, this guy's a great teacher. And then on the side, he would perform miracles. And you can imagine that would get people's attention. And so they began to realize there's something special about this Jesus. But the religious leaders of the day were nervous about Jesus. You know why? He was honing in, or he was kind of moving his way in their territory. And they started thinking, man, he's, he's, starting, to take away, he's starting to take away our people. He's getting more popular than we are. And so they tried to get Jesus to, to stumble, to mess up, so that other people would quit following him. And they came up with a question they thought was going to trick Jesus. And they asked him a very simple question. They said, Jesus, tell us, what is the greatest commandment? What is the biggest thing that we are to do as followers of God? And surprisingly to them, Jesus answered them with wisdom. And in his answer, we're going to find out what in the world we're doing here. So, so what, what are we doing here? You know, what, what is the purpose? What is the plan for Village Church? What is the purpose for the true church? Now, I want to share with you just a couple of things today. Normally, I have a three-point sermon. I'm going to give you all a break today. It's going to be two. Two points, it just means they're longer. So, uh, so, so what is our purpose? What is the reason for us being here? Starting off, first of all, the first reason our church is here is to love God. We are here, very simply, to love God. Now, look with me. Uh, let's go and just look at verse number 35. It says, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him, Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, if you don't have this underlined, you need to underline this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. One of the major problems that we have, I think, with religion is we get really involved with rules and regulations. You know, we, and whenever that happens, we, our focus becomes on following rules instead of following after God. And, and there's just so many, so many rules that we've come up with when it comes to matters of faith. When it comes to, you know, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, what does it mean? And we say, well, what it means is you've got to follow all these different things. And the religious leaders of the day, they came up with the kinds of rules that we were to follow in order to be seen as being right in God's eyes. Now, the basic rules that we base everything off of, and I'll give you all a little test here, they're found in the Old Testament and Exodus. What rules are we given that we typically know about? The Ten Commandments, right? So the Ten Commandments, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are known as the Law, the Torah. And so the religious leaders, they took the five books of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, they took the Ten Commandments, and from that, they came up with over 600 rules and regulations to follow. They said, if you want to be right in God's eyes, here's 600 rules plus that you've got to follow. That sounds good. I'm a rules and regulations guy. I like checklists. 
I say, I know I'm a good guy today because I have checked off everything that I'm supposed to do today. But what happens whenever you have 600 of these things? Well, I've discovered what happens is there's a great chance that you're not going to be able to check every one of those rules off your list. And that gets depressing. And, and the religious leaders thought that, that having these rules and regulations would give you freedom. What happens is people felt enslaved. They said, we've got so many rules to follow, and we don't know what in the world to do. None of us can perfectly keep all these rules. And amazingly, many of us have fallen in the same trap today. There are far too many people who look at the church, who look at religion, who look at God, and just simply see it as being some sort of little, uh, you know, little maze that we have to work our way through. All these different things we have to follow and do in order to be pleasing to God. And instead of a relationship with God being our focal point, what happens? Guys, rules and regulations become our focal point. And oftentimes we look at the church and we see the church and we see people in the church as being like they're the, you know, like they're, we're the Gestapo, like the pastor. That's why it always makes me nervous when I, people ask me what I do for a living. Because it is a conversation killer. I've told you all that before. Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? And then everybody just totally changes and I think I'm not the normal guy anymore. And so it's just a conversation killer because people get nervous. I've got rules and I've got regulations to follow. Now, I'm not saying the behavior is not important. It is. I mean, Jesus talked about it. He said in Matthew 7, 18 through 20, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Guys, your actions say a whole lot about you. But, you know, before a tree, he talks about fruit, before a tree is able to bear fruit, before a tree is able to blossom, what has to happen for that tree? It's got to be cared for. It's got to be nurtured. It has to have, you know, so to speak, a relationship with water. Water is the life-giving source. And the same thing is true with us spiritually. That's why Jesus came out and He told us the greatest commandment of all is what? The greatest commandment. To love God. Do you notice it does not say that the greatest commandment is to come to church every Sunday? And I'm not saying that you're not supposed to. But that is not the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is not to give a tithe in the church. The greatest commandment is not to, to go out and just to be nice to people. It's the greatest, what is the greatest commandment? It is to love God. Now why is that? Because if we don't love God, those other things, we're not going to be able to do those other things for long because the life-giving source for us is our relationship with God. Village Church, we are here to love God. And the way that we demonstrate love to God is we, we reach out to others, and we demonstrate to them by our service to them that we love God because we are serving them. You know, our purpose here is to teach people, first and foremost, to love God with all their heart, their soul, and their mind. That's why we're here. Is, well, how do I love God with my heart? In Jewish thought, the heart was the, the center of a person's being. Everything that you did was to revolve around your heart. It was the, basically, it was like the, the thing that was to drive you. 
I know that whenever I was whenever I was dating Emily, when I first started dating Emily, she became the focal point in my life. And that's what it means to, to love God with your heart. He becomes the focal point of your life. When I, when I started dating Emily, she became the focal point of, of me. And I had roommates in college, I had three other roommates in college. When we first started dating, my roommates in college got mad at me. They said, what are you doing? They said, that you spend all your time with her. You're always going over there. Now, now why did I do that? For one, they were three you know, gross guys, and I'd much rather be with Emily, but I, I just wanted to be with Emily because I, I loved her. And that's what happens when we love God. If you want to know, do I really love God? If you love God, you're going to want to be with Him. And you say, well, I can't be with Him. I mean, how do I be with God? You're going to want to be with God, and, and you're going to want to... You're going to want to take time to read God's Word when you really love God, to find out what He has to say. When you really love God, you're, you're going to want to spend time coming into the church to worship Him with other believers. When you really love God, you're going to have a desire to live in such a way that you please Him. Village Church, that's why we're here. We're here to help people to love God so that God will become the focal point of their lives. So we're to love Him with our heart. We're to love Him with our soul. I think we, we are to love God so much that in everything that we have, we're willing to use whatever we have to serve God. If you're a businessman, we want you to be able to learn how to use your business in such a way that you're going to bring honor and glory to God. We're to love God with all of our mind. Now, I thought about that, and I, I, I thought, you know, for me, what that means is, is submitting my intellect to the leadership of God. And that means that there's going to be times when I read Scripture and I'm not going to understand everything in here, I might not even agree with it, but if I love God with my mind, I will say, God, I don't necessarily agree with this, but you know what? I'm going to submit myself to it because I trust you more than anything else. God, I will follow your ways even whenever it's uncomfortable for me because Jesus... I want you to know that I love you. And you know, we're, as we're obedient to God, that God blesses us? Do y'all know that? Matthew six thirty three. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you or added to you. And yet, many times what we want to do is we want to love other things first, and then on the side, we want to squeeze God in. God, I'm going to love you on Sunday, but when it comes Monday, I'm going to live like I want to. I'm going to ignore your word. Now, you think God's pleased with that? I try to put it in an illustration that maybe would make sense to us. I mean, imagine, uh, l- ladies, imagine that your husband, years ago, whenever he proposed to you, that he proposed to you and said, I, I want to marry you. And I'm asking you to marry you, marry me, but, but there's one thing I want from you. Every year, one day, one day a year, I want you to allow me to go out with other women, just one day a year. Now, just because I'm curious... And you don't have to answer, because one thing I know is I know women. I'm just kidding. I don't. Uh, but I know on this one. Let me tell you something. Ladies, how are you going to respond to that kind of a proposal from your, from your boyfriend? Now, I, I know one woman in particular, and I think she would tell me to cram it. I mean, she'd say, they ain't no way. Ain't no, what, what do they want? They want your love, your undivided attention and love. So it's silly for us to think, well, I can love God a little bit here and there, but other times I'm going to love myself and whatever it is that I want to do. I promise you, God will not accept part-time love and part-time devotion to Him. 
Now, why is our church here? Our church is here, very simply put, to love God. But there's another reason why our church is here. And it's the second commandment. We are here also to love people. We're here to love God. We're here to love people. Now, look with me in verse number 39. Jesus said, the second command is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Now again, it's interesting to me that, that the religious leaders, you know, and people, people like me, we, we read through the Bible and we come up with a list. We're going to be right with God. i got 600 rules and regulations you got to follow. And it sounds so pleasing to us to come up with all these rules and regulations. But Jesus takes that huge list and He says, you know what, I, I can simplify this. Is if you want to keep the law of God, if you want to be pleasing to God, I'm going to break down all these rules and regulations to two commands. Love God and love people. You know what, if, if, we, if we follow those two commands, do you understand that we will keep all of them? You're, you're not going to commit adultery if you love God and you love people. You're not, you're not going to be a thief if you love God and His ways, you love people. You don't want to steal from people. You're, you're going to keep the commandments. You're, you're, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to worship and follow after other gods if you truly love God. So I think it's interesting that when you look into the Scripture, that if you just keep these two commands, which is why we're here, you're going to end up keeping all of the law. They might say, well, how am I, how am I to love people? You know, what, what am I to do to love people? And I look in verse number 39, Jesus gives us the answer. He tells us that we're to love others as much as we love ourselves. He says, how do I love myself? You know, loving yourself, it doesn't have to be some kind of mushy love. But loving yourself can, can be very simple. It's, it's, you, it's you taking care of yourself. When you're, when you're hungry, what do, you, what do you typically do? You feed yourself. When you're thirsty... You get yourself something to drink. Whenever you need shelter, you go out and you make sure that you have shelter. That is an example of you loving yourself because you are taking care of yourself. So how am I to love others? Same way. We are to provide for the needs of other people. There's a physical, emotional, and spiritual needs that people have. Now, now what good is it going to do if we see people who are in need... And we're told that we're to love people. And we look at them and we say, I see that you're in need. God bless you. Get better. And we walk off. Is that helping anybody? James 2, 15-17 sums it up better. It says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. But does nothing about his physical needs. Like, what good is that? What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action is dead. Village Church, if we're really going to be a church that loves people, you know what it's going to mean for us? It's going to mean action. It's going to mean a whole lot more than me just stand up here talking. Man, I don't know about y'all, I get sick of people talking. And I'd just like to see somebody do something. And if that's the kind of church that we're going to be, it's going to involve us doing now, there's a lot of different projects that we can have and ministries that we can have. So how, how can we meet people's needs physically? We can meet people's physical needs. 
Now, what I want us to understand, when we see somebody who's in need, and you might have, you might have a neighbor who's in maybe, maybe in financial need, or a neighbor who's in, who needs their yard, I don't know, yard mode, maybe if they're, they're elderly and they just simply need help. Now, what we typically like to do, and I, and I am speaking to myself here at times, is that we like to try to say, I see a need over here, I need to get somebody else to go meet that need. I need to get the church to come up with a program to meet that need. Hey, don't do that. If we're going to love God and love people, it means us. It means me. You personally, you go meet that need. Don't put it off on somebody else. You go meet that need. And you approach that person as an ambassador of Jesus, as a representative of the church, and say, I'm here to meet your need. We need to meet physical needs. We need to meet emotional needs. Now, there are people who are just absolutely beat up. People who just need someone to listen to them, to care for them. That's what we're here for. We're here to edify people, to give them words of encouragement. We meet their needs physically, emotionally, but we're also here to meet spiritual needs, to introduce people to a Jesus who can transform and change their lives. Because if we don't introduce them to that kind of Jesus, they don't stand a chance. And that's why we, that's why we, we look into Scripture, because we believe God's Word has power. That's why we have small group ministries, because we believe when we come together that there is power that, that occurs because we're told where two or three are gathered together in the name of God. Who's, who's there in His presence? In our presence, God. And that's, why we, that's why we have small group meetings, so that we can discover God together. But here's my question for you. Are you demonstrating to people that you love them? Now, I know it is inconvenient to love people. It is messy to love people. But God has called us to do it because that is the way that God has loved us. He loves us as messy people, but He knows that godly love transforms lives. And when people aren't loved, people are destroyed. A number of years ago, I remember reading a story about a lady named Norma Jean Mortensen. She grew up in a foster home. And when she was eight years old, she was abused by a man, and she went and told her foster mother about it, and her foster mother spanked her and said, that man pays our rent. Don't say another word about it. Can you imagine that girl grew up absolutely messed up? Uh, but she became a very pretty young woman, and people began to notice her for her looks, which she liked at first, but then she's like, I would like people just to, know, to like me for who I am. Uh, but as time went on, she moved out to California, and she became uh, quite a big movie star. Uh, she changed her name from Norma Jean to Marilyn Monroe. Now, Marilyn Monroe was uh, very, a superstar, but she became known as a prima donna. And people noticed that she'd only she'd show up on the sets two hours late. She'd be angry. But they didn't know if she was back in her trailer crying because she just didn't feel like anybody loved her. And then nobody was reaching out to her. She was married three different times. She never could find somebody who just, in her mind, who just loved her. At the age of 35, she took a bunch of sleeping pills, and she called a fellow actor, and she, she told that fellow actor, she said, I've taken enough pills to kill myself. And the last words that she, that she was to ever hear were from this actor on the phone. He said, I don't care, and he hung up. The next morning, at 35 years old, she was found dead on her bed with the receiver dangling from the, the, dangling from the bed. A lady named Claire Bruce 
wrote about this story, and she said she thought the dangling telephone was a symbol of Monroe's life. She said she died because she never got through to anyone who understood. You know, there are scores of people around us who were looking to make a connection with somebody and to make a connection with God. Village Church, we are here for those people. We are here to introduce people to God. We are here to love God and to love people. And when you look at it, that's pretty simple stuff. The question is, are we going to do it? Are we going to love God? And are we going to love people? What I'd like for us to do is just bow our heads and to close our, our eyes as we close out the service. I just want this to be a time between you and the Lord. And it could be that there, there are some of you and... And you look at yourself and say, I, I love God. I've, I, I followed God since I was a young person or you know, whenever it might be. But man, I've, loved, I've lost my love for others. What I want to encourage you to do for believers as you followers of God, I just want you to pray and talk to God right where you are. Just simply say, Lord, I, I pray that you will give me a heart for people. Jesus, that, that, I will, that I will have a heart for my neighbor, that I'll have a heart for the people I work with and I go to school with. And Jesus, may I, may I, in the name of Jesus, may I meet their needs. May I serve them. Pray for that opportunity, and I promise you, God will give you that opportunity. Others of you say, man, I'd, I'd like to connect with God. And have a relationship with Him. And I've tried to connect over the years with money and with material things and, and with relationships. But none of those things have brought me the joy that I've hoped to have. I want you to know that you can connect, that you can connect with Jesus. Because He loves you. And if you'd like to do that, just where, where you are silently, you can pray to God. And just simply say, Jesus, I, I, want, I want you. I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I want to demonstrate my love to you by being obedient to what you teach us in your word. God, forgive me of my sin. And save me. Rescue me, Lord. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you, if you prayed that prayer, gosh, please let us know. And you can take your bulletin and open it up and, and just fill out that section on the right side or contact form and check that line. Says, hey, I'm committing my life to Christ. And you can put that in the offering basket in a few moments. And we'll be able to get you information in the mail about growing in a walk with Jesus. But I just want to tell you very simply today, our church is here to love God and to love people. Let's examine our lives and see if we are fulfilling the purpose of that God has given us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. And I pray, Lord, that we will love as well. And that we will love in the name of Jesus Christ. Whose name I pray.